and welcome to Everyone is Everything, episode 24. I feel a little bit less than energetic right now, so if you pick up on that, then it's because it's it's approaching my nap time, my adult nap time. I don't, you don't have to call it adult nap time, but I'm an adult who has a regular nap time, at least during the week. So anyway, more importantly, today I talked to Sarah Seeger, and she is a Reiki master, Enneagram teacher, and certified transformation and mindfulness coach. So right up our alley. Um, we spend a lot of time on the Enneagram, um, but we we start pretty basic. So she'll run you through it if you've never heard of it. But honestly, one of my favorite episodes. It feels like it has a lot of meat on the bone. Like it's got a lot of practical things in terms of understanding ourselves and how that in turn can help us understand our external world and how to engage with it in a way that might be slightly more beneficial. So anyway, I'll let her teach you because I don't know what I'm talking about. Enjoy Sarah Seeger. All right. Well, we'll just jump in because um, why not? What else are we doing? Thank you. Uh, I love it. So um, thank you for doing this. I'm trying to think of when I reached out or why. I, I oftentimes I'll find someone on Instagram and uh, just follow them. And then my brain will like be like, that might be a good person. And yeah. then it'll just I'll just wait for like the confirmation <laughs> to come in. And I want it probably was the Enneagram stuff. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I want to talk about that. <laughs> like yeah. that was probably the thing. But uh, I know that doesn't encompass all of what you do. So uh, maybe just give us a quick rundown yeah. of of kind of your where you sit with this, uh, you know, self-improvement and spiritual aspects of life. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I've been looking mm. forward to this all day. It's one of those days, you know, where it's, you know, it feels like a Monday because we're coming off of a holiday weekend, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would have in hindsight booked this on a Monday because it was something that kind of like, you know, it was a nice, uh, nice thing to look forward to today. Right. Um, but I, so I kind of encompass, um, what I think of as like mindfulness, slash wellness. So I began um, studying the Enneagram and utilizing it with clients. Um, so I do a lot of um, like wellness and mindfulness coaching. I run like women's circles before and um, I'm a meditation guide. I got into Reiki a few years ago. Um, so similarly to where you follow people and see where it goes, I pick up these <laughs> these tools um, that I kind of put in my toolbox um, and kind of see where it goes. So uh, Enneagram, I have, you know, has been in my toolbox for quite some time now. And I find that um, it's very helpful for people. Uh, I utilize it a lot myself. And so, um, but, you know, I am a Reiki master as well. I'm a Reiki practitioner um, out of a few different um, places here in St. Louis, which is where I'm based, which I know it's where mm -hmm. you're based as well. Right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, 
I don't know if I don't want to give you too much or not enough, no. but that's, that's my elevator yeah. pitch. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. And so that let's just, because now we've said Enneagram of a couple of times mm -hmm. yeah. and I feel like we have to explain what that is. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just see what else happens. We'll see where that takes us. So yeah, what explain Enneagram in, you know, the easiest way you can. So Enneagram is a personality typing, um, tool. And so it's based on a nine number system, which people will often say, how can you really boil down everyone's personality in the world to nine types? Um, which the answer is you can't, right? There's like infinite combinations of different numbers, um, but it really works on a nine number system. So one through nine is, and it's, it's on a wheel. And so, um, the interesting thing with Enneagram is we all have different numbers that we are also connected to. So you have your primary type, and then you have uh, a number that you go to in a time of stress, and then a number that you go to in a time of rest or growth. Um, and then you also have access to the numbers on either side of you that you can pull in when you're conscious about what those um I guess, behaviors or traits are that could help maybe um, fill in some gaps in your own number. Um, so it's really, I think, a fascinating tool to, one, just kind of turn on awareness went for the things that we tend to do, so that the, those behaviors that either serve us or don't serve us. And, you know, really, I think, um, generate a lot of compassion. Um, starting with yourself, um, we all are wired a certain way, and a lot of times um, we can meet that wiring, you know, with some resistance, and there can be shifts we want to make and things we want to change. Um, but when you can understand a little bit more deeply, um, it can be a beautiful way to have compassion for yourself and for others. And I can. Um, I can tell you more about kind of why that is if you're interested. Well, that was actually where I was going to go because, you know, I think I, I can't speak for everyone, but there's a lot of people who love a personality test. It's why, yeah. it's why, which Disney princess are you pops yes. up on everybody's thing? <laughs> like, cause we want either, whether it's validation or it's uh, trying to understand deep, more deeply who I am and how I engage with that. Um, sense of self, I think is important. And uh, I, I for sure am a personality test person. Like I just love it. I want to know, I, I feel like I just recently thought this, I was like, man, I feel like I lost the manual to Sean and I don't know what all like the, the lights, that the error lights are. And yeah. these kind of, <laughs> these kind of things are like my check in. I can like, I look in the book and I'm like, oh, okay. And it's yeah. funny, I'll say, I'll, I'll say this last thing about, and then I want you to talk about kind of what, what it means to, um, to dig into personality tests, like, especially the Enneagram specifically and what, what value that has practical value and stuff. But I've taken it a number of times and I, I haven't been as in depth as you, which is why I'm excited to talk, but I remember a few times over the years I would take it and I'd be like, I've grown so much. I'm not going to be a nine anymore. <laughs> yeah. like, and I was like, I can't wait to get the results. And every time it's like, dude, you're like a nine. Like, I so hate to break it to you, but you're a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And it's funny that you say the compassion thing because I did one today 
before this, like I, as I was supposed to be working in my cubicle, I went through and I did it and, um, a nine came up predominantly. And I, like you said, I didn't feel that same, Oh, I can't wait till I'm not a nine. I had this whole different thing, you know, where I was like, Oh yeah. Like I can see all the value in that. I can see how that yeah. works with my relationships that could help me set up boundaries. I could do a lot of oh, different yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's interesting because most people resist whatever type they are. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like hearing your voice on mm. a recording and you're like, oh, we just like want to, we just look immediately at like the weaknesses, I guess, of that type, the blind spots of that type. But I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit. There are a few different theories um, on how Enneagram works if your number can change, if your type can change. Um, so what I subscribe to is the thinking that we were all born a certain type and through our childhood, we came up with a story that showing up as our authentic self um, wasn't good enough. And right in many different situations in childhood, it, it wasn't right. Um, not because of anything about us. It's just something that we personalize and, and make meaning, you know, around things that are happening. I mean, oh, this must be, mean something about me. And so then we shift to another number as a, as a young adult adult that typically doesn't change. So your number as an adult, I hate to bring it to you. You're, if you're a nine now, you're probably always going to be a nine. But um, so the theory though is, is that your number, um, your growth number as a, as an adult was your number as a kid. And so um, where the compassion comes into play is, as far as um, I see it is we all feel like we have to do certain things and behave a certain way and show up in the world um, so that we can get love and be accepted and get attention and, and find safety um, versus being able just to be whoever we like were as a kid. And I think we can all think back of like when we were growing up and there was typically like a tipping point where, you know, you watch a kid play and you see they're just like, they don't care who's watching, who's around, like they're just in it. And then there's, you know, a point in time where you can like see a kid or think about you as yourself and think, oh yeah, that's when I really started like getting up in my head and um, wondering how I was gonna be perceived um, or what other people might be thinking. And that's kind of when I think the shift happens um, to your number. So your number um, nine, your growth number, I'm looking it up here, um, nine in growth, you go to um, the achiever, so a three. So I don't know if that resonates that as a kid, if you were, you know, kind of like achieving good at sports or getting good grades and, you know, maybe like got a lot of accolades for doing those things. Um, does that resonate at all? Well, not in a traditional sense. So okay. your examples make sense in, in, in a way, but my, I was, because I, I felt very unsafe in the world. I was shy and whatever. And then I attached myself to music, specifically mm. heavy metal, but then that became my sole focus. So 
in a way, like I had to know everything about, I had to be the number one person who knew all the bands. I could play guitar and I was the best, I had to be the best at it. Like if I wasn't, then I, I would crumble. You know what I mean? And it took me till being an adult to set that aside to be like, Oh wait, you don't have to be that. And, uh, I, and it, it turned into a kind of a contrarian sensibility, Mm -hmm. um, against like the, you know, the masses almost. And so in a way, when you say like achievement, I didn't have it on a piece of paper or a, a award, but I needed to be like the best that, you know, top of what I was doing, even yes. though it was against the grain. Yeah. So, uh, it still sort of does kind of land with me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like when you can, when you can think of, um, you know, those things about yourself that maybe you still struggle with and then wrap it in that compassion layer of like, you're just, you know, trying to like get love and like we all are in the world, like try to get love, try to get safety. Like you said, try to get, you know, attention, affirmation, whatever it is that you're seeking. Um, and, and the same for others when we have, you know, other people who are rubbing us the wrong way, um, you know, just put that same lens. But I, I always like to encourage people to apply that lens of compassion to yourself first. Um, and then hopefully it can spill out and then you can also then apply it to others as well. But I find typically we, you know, want to do for others before we want to do for ourselves. So that would be um, my invitation. And then, you know, additionally, I think another great way that you can use Enneagram is when you understand all of your affiliated numbers, um, you can use it as a barometer. So, you know, I'm an Enneagram two, which is a helper. Um, And so in times of stress, I go to eight, which is a challenger. So we all know when we are, you know, kind of uh, out of alignment and you do something and you're like, where did that come from? And so anytime that I um, notice like getting like really like short or like terse, and it's usually of course with the people who are close to us, the people in our family (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or work family or, you know, um, those types of relationships, it can really become um, an invitation to pause and be like, hold on. I, I, like I, my awareness is onto this now, right? Like I can identify that I'm not, I'm out of alignment. And then there are actually personal self-care, um, tactics for each number that are specific to them. Hmm. So to use myself again, as an example for a two, it would be, um, you know, putting others needs, you know, before my own. And so really like the crux of all the Enneagram numbers is the why behind what you do. It's less about what you do and more about why you do it. Mm -hmm. So um, in the classes that I teach and the workshops I do, I actually say you you can have taken a test, you can come in without a test because I do think that there is a very subjective piece to Enneagram. Um, So for, and I'll just ask you as a nine or someone who's testing as a nine, do you feel like your primary motivation is to make sure that everybody around you is at peace at all times because you can't handle it if they're not? Yeah. Yeah. No conflict is, is the ultimate enemy and I see it when it's not there, you know, I'm already prepped for all the conflicts, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, I find that there was a time also that I would kind of 
I, it's, I would almost manufacture conflict sometimes because I could control that conflict, mm -hmm. you know, but, but ultimately when I really, as, as like you've mentioned, all these kind of tools make us slightly more aware or tremendously more aware, the more we do it, I've noticed, yeah, that conflict, uh, you know, it's this fear of conflict that runs so much of my yeah. decision or lack of decision-making, which I think is a nine thing as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, nines are interesting too, because, you know, nine is the, is the, the peacemaker, but what I love about, uh, about nines are, you know, we look at it again, we always look at it like the negative, but the strength of a peacemaker is like, you're, you're great moderators, like, you know, for, you know, especially if you had multiple people on a podcast, like you would be able to like maintain control and make sure everyone's feeling like really good about it. Um, and also like what we didn't get into, you know, we have, you have your growth number and you have your stress number, but then you have access, like I mentioned to the numbers on either side of you, which are called wings. So one thing about Enneagram, it got really, really popular, really, really fast. And people like took a test and then they like got their number or they got a series of numbers. Sometimes you'll get three numbers and they think they are three numbers, but really, um, you are typically, those numbers are usually correlated, right? Either it's like your primary number and maybe a wing, or it could be in a time in your life where you are in like a growth or rest state. And so you could be going to that number and exhibiting um, those attributes, but you're really truly one core number. And then your wings are always gonna be uh, the numbers on either side of you. And typically we have like a one wing as predominant, but you have access to both. Um, but a great thing about nine is, you know, the peacemaker, you have access to seven, which is the enthusiast, um, and eight, which is, uh, no, sorry, one, which is the reformer and eight, which is the challenger. And the challenger is this very like assertive and confident, like able to speak up for themselves, um, those types of, um, characteristics. So, um, I feel like peacemakers who can really lean on that eight wing are very powerful um, in like a really great way in a really supportive way because you have a good intention of keeping every you know everybody and, and these are innate gifts right you so you don't even have to think about it you'll just look over there and be like oh that guy he's getting a little his feathers ruffled about something but it's <laughs> where everybody every other number might be missing it but you're gonna dial right in on that and know mm -hmm. and I think I think there's a big piece of it too that has, um, you know, like a, a very like highly sensitive or empathetic and empath person. Um, twos are the same way, twos and nines, where you just, you're very like sensitive to what's going on around you. So your awareness is heightened to it. So you're very quick to like act on it. Mm. So. Right. And it's so interesting because like you said, this is shining a uh, light on wise in order to then give us tools and practical use out of it. And what I found really interesting too, and of earlier when you were talking about that switch, when you're a kid and you just are existing, you're just purely being like, you're, you're, it's not you and the world. It's just, you're just in the thing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, at some point we start separating that and we have to act a certain way we're socialized, but also have some inherent qualities. Cause there's some aspects of me and obviously I can only speak for myself that I'm just like, I don't think anyone 
taught me that per se, but it was just how I felt. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've been thinking about this lately and it goes a little bit off of Enneagram, but I, we can still continue to fit it in is that idea of what people think. Cause you mentioned that you said, you know, at some point we start thinking about what other people think of us or how they perceive us and stuff like that. And that has a tremendous impact on how we then act in our surroundings. So I've been thinking about it because so many people are like, I don't care what people think. It's like a badge of honor. I don't care what people think. And I, and I've always like wanted that. I'm like, okay, one day I'll get to the, I don't care what people think. Yeah. Mode. And at some level, I, I do also see, and this kind of plays into the compassion side of like be having some compassion for the inherent gifts as you call them. Um, cause I also know that caring what people think makes me think a step ahead where I can be like, okay, well maybe I'll do that for that person. So they don't even I'm at the store and I put the cart away and I don't just leave it turned around the other way. I'm just like, well, the next person and, you know, and so it has multiple branches off that same tree. You know, and I think the Enneagram feels like it would, I think it does. Doesn't it have like a, um, a healthy version and, uh, like, well, I don't know what the wording is. Isn't there something like that? Yeah. So there's, um, what, uh, they would call like, um, lines of development or what or um, like levels of health essentially. So you can, um, you know, there are, I think nine different levels of health. So yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, it's the why behind you do is the why behind what you do. And when you are doing things, um, for other people and sacrificing yourself, essentially, um, that's going to promote a lot of unhealth and unrest. So when you are able to kind of challenge that, so like for me as the helper, it's, you know, I, Shoes are, are, are typically like big people pleasers. It's very important for others to like, like them. And, um, they have, again, that innate ability, um, to understand everybody else's needs and, and then meet them in a very like easy way. Um, but they can in levels of unhealth be like really keeping score a lot. And so that was one thing that I noticed, you know, six, seven years ago when I started this, like, oh my gosh, like I definitely do that. Like I will go above and beyond to help someone else. Um, but if they're not thankful enough for, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, reciprocating, then I might have like a chip on my shoulder. And so I really started to be able to notice that and challenge it and say, well, if you're, you know, it's your shopping cart is a great example because it's like, you're not, there's no one right there to be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Sean, mm-hmm. for like putting this shopping cart around, mm-hmm. right? So you just do it because you're, you're not doing it for the accolades. It's like, you would still do that if no one else was watching because probably no one is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's, that's kind of like my rule of thumb as a two is, you know, if I'm going to do this thing uh, for someone else and I'm not going to get a thank you for it and um, maybe they don't even know that it was me who did it. Would I still do it? And that's usually my filter. And so if the answer is, is still yes, then I do the thing. If the answer is no or a partial no, then I don't do it. Or, you know, the other thing is I would, I would help someone, but I would go like way over the top and help mm. someone versus be like, okay, I might not be able to make my friend who just broke her leg, like three homemade meals and had them labeled perfectly just so she could stack them in her fridge. But I can like, 
send her a DoorDash at one night and maybe, you know, um, you know, start a load of laundry for her. And so those are the things you kind of start to dial into your own needs. And mm. then that's where that's your starting point. Right. And it's, it makes so much sense. Cause it's like, wouldn't you love to have some, some tools that you could literally look at and be like, or questions. Like, I love the, that you have a question for yourself and say, Hey, would I still do this if there was no, because everything's so transactional. A lot of times we get into this mode where it's like, I don't know if it's, it's called a cultural thing or, you know, maybe strengthened by our materialism, but like, it's always transactional. I do this and then I get something in return. Yeah. And you see it in like the spiritual text. And I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but the Bhagavad Gita is big on that. It's like, do the thing, not for the fruit of the thing, like just yes. do the work. Yes. And don't be concerned with the fruit of that work. And it's so hard to do. Um, but having like a question like that to stop yourself and say, okay, um, you know, would I still do this? If like those, like you said, barometers, like how valuable is that? Oh, it's yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. And I think every single type can be boiled down to a story that you tell yourself. And so, you know, we all know that we, you know, we don't need to believe everything that our caveman brains tell us the time, right? You can push back on some things. And so I like to think of like, what is the story for each of the types when I'm coaching people? And when, where, when can you push against it? Like, is that actually true? Like, do I actually have to overextend myself as a two in order for people to like me and love me mm -hmm. and need me, right? right? And the answer is like, Oh gosh, no. Right. Like that's, and again, that's where the compassion comes in. Cause like, that's a pretty sad story. You know, you have eights, Enneagram eights who are the, the challenger and they're kind of like, I'm going to push against everybody else and, and see who is around at the end because I'm not lovable on my own. And I, and I'm going to show them exactly how hard I can be to deal with and see who wants to stick around. So that's a story that you can definitely push back on and, and, and reframe these things. Man, can you imagine like a world where people knew these things about themselves? Like I'm picturing a relationship. If I'm a nine and, I, and I'm and i in a relationship with an eight and they're going to push and then I'm going to feel conflict. And I, so we're both going to feel unloved. Oh, yeah. And instead of being like, hey, a lot of times I, I do push because I don't feel inherently lovable. So I need someone who's going to try. And I, I'd be like, well, conflict makes me feel like, you know, and then it would be like, Oh, cool. Now we just right? gave all this yeah. oxygen yeah. To, to the room and now we can breathe and we can talk. It's like, oh my gosh. It's just like, even, even if you're, you know, if you look at personality assessments of, of any kind and you say, well, you know, I don't know, like even these little things that can give us more space to start talking. Yes. I'm not saying fix all the problems, but just yeah. start talking. I mean, to me, that's just like, Yes. So exciting. It is. It's like, here's the owner's manual, right? And, and you know, you're, you don't need to do that with everyone, right? Like it's, that, oh, that right. requires a good amount of vulnerability. But I've actually like done a lot of these trainings for like relationships. I've done them in court and for corporate teams, which is like really incredible. It's an incredible gift because you'll have, let's say, um, like a six who is the loyalist, they require a lot of information. They really want to know like all angles. It's funny. Anytime I teach a class or a workshop and I'll get 
I'll get emails or DMs from people who are attending asking, what do I need to bring? Um, where is where is parking readily available? They're asking all the questions. And I think to myself, oh, those are my sixes. Because so, mm -hmm. they want to know like everything. Mm -hmm. But if you have like a six on a team, and again, we have this propensity to personalize things and you have a six and they're like, well, what about this? And can I tell me this and tell me that? You know, I had a scenario um, in the corporate world where, you know, they someone was very off put by the six on their team taking it like you don't trust me to do my job but when we can bridge that gap and say like no no this is just their process in life and they need to feel safe and supported and it has nothing to do with you because here here's the here's the thing right it, it's rarely about us uh, what, how other people are are behaving rarely has anything to do with us it mostly mm -hmm. has to do about them right but we want to we want to take it on and, and either fix it or personalize it. So when we can understand at a deeper level where other people are coming from and then realize like, oh, that's about them. And I can, and then I know how to support that person in a way that's really tailored and specific to them versus, you know, myself. It's kind of like, you know, love language, you know, your love language. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's very similar, right? Right. It's all like I feel like it's all so intertwined. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I did a different um, and not as in-depth personality thing with some coworkers, um, just in, in the ones that communicated all the time and so quickly found out that, you know, there were some people, and I think this was a color-coded one, and like some people were reds yeah. and those people wanted, similar to a six, wanted the information, whatever, whatever. And then there was a people, I forget what I was, I think a white, which similar to a nine. So what would happen, I would realize that I was, I, I was the one who was um, telling the other person what work needed to be done, but I would go to their department and be like, Hey, so how's it going? And so, okay, so this isn't the best thing. And I know it's going to be a little annoying, but, and I would like, and, in the, and I thought I was being nice because that's what I would want, but they're just like, tell me what to yeah. do. Like, yeah. I don't need this. And so I was actually frustrating them. Yeah. But if I didn't know that I would just walk away being like, why were they frustrated? I was so nice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah. it, it's so true i mean it, you, it it's 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 interesting because if you look at it even like geographically across the states like in in new york or anywhere in the northeast like they'd be like come on what what mm. be, what <laughs> you know yeah. but it's you know but we think we're doing the right thing it's funny nights and twos are like very similar um and and there's you know they're also organized by um, what are called triads so um, there's there's a book actually written, I thought I had it around here, um, um, called The Road Back to You. And it's actually organized, not like one through nine, it's actually organized by the triads. So you've got the head, the heart, and the body triad. So it really helps you understand um, like how each number um, leads. So it's um, twos, threes, and fours lead with our hearts. And then you've got five, six, and sevens, which is head. So they're like overthinking things a lot, like, you know, tapping in. Um, and then eights, nines, and ones are um, body. So a very action-led. And so it's very interesting to see that breakdown as well with each wow. number. Right. And that title of that book already has me wanting to read oh, it. It's <laughs> like so just, good. Just that. And that's the thing too, is it's it seems like you could get you know, a lot of people, I think, um, they have these, these issues and I will call them issues. And we, even though we're not 
casting major judgment, but like my indecis- indecisiveness mm-hmm. is clear, like a thing that I've always dealt with. Like it's a thing that, you know, I mean, when I was little, my parents would say that Sean has the, I don't know, because I would just be like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and I've learned to have some compassion for that and also learned some tools, but sometimes it does seem like, you know, some people will take these issues and they'll kind of, um, reward themselves for being like, well, I'm just, you know, they're over, let's say they, they get overly aggressive or they're, they're like, I just speak my mind. I just say, you know, I'm just one of those people that don't, and it's like, okay, I feel like if you just could get to the next couple layers, you don't even have to get super deep, just yeah. a couple layers deeper. You could say, oh, that might be a defense thing or, oh, I don't feel safe if I don't know everything that's going on. So therefore yes. I, you know, whatever it is, whatever your exactly. thing is. And a lot of times those things that, you know, you've grabbed onto, cause I, I mean, we've all done it. This is not a, not a judgment, but those things that we, we grab onto as like, this is who I am. And I, I say it like it is. I'm just going to use that example because obviously that's the person that rubs me the most wrong because I'm yep. like, ah, why would you do that? <laughs> but like, you know, if, if you yeah, have, they just realized you took a, had that manual because a lot of times those things come with anxiety and tension, you feel it in yeah. your body. You know what I mean? And I feel like, and mentioning the the body element is so interesting too, because yeah, you'll feel it sometimes. And it's another barometer. It's like, you feel it in your body. There's some tension. Okay. Let me look, let me learn about myself. And then now we have some questions and some tools. It's just, yeah. it's so cool. No, absolutely. I mean, and I think that is, that's a thing that it's so important, I think, to to feel into it because we, I don't know, we have this relationship with our feelings and our emotions and this propensity in our society to label them like this is good, this is bad. And they're really all just energy and motion, right? And so when we can lean into it, you know, anxiety is like one of the biggest that's like the most, in my opinion, un- misunderstood um emotions where I feel like anxiety is just like trying to tell us something. All of our emotions are just trying to tell us something, but we have been so conditioned to think it's not safe. It's bad. We need to medicate it. We need to run from it. We need to distract from it when, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause it's just trying to be like, Hey dude, I like, I'm trying to get, I'm, you're not listening. Right. And it starts with a whisper and then, you know, it just, it, go, it builds and builds versus turning into it and say, hi, anxiety. I see you. I hear you. What can I do for you? Like, what are you trying to tell me? You have my attention and feel into that feeling. Um, and usually it will be, sometimes it can be something like really, um, helpful. Like you're not prepared. You're going to fall on your face. Um, and you're like, okay, is that, is that true? And it's like, oh no, I I actually am not prepared. I have more work I need to do around this thing. Thank goodness. Right. That I'm not just like numbing from this feeling all day, or I wouldn't have got my stuff done Mm -hmm. versus, you know, something ridiculous. Cause you know, like sometimes our anxiety can just tell us the (laughs) silliest of stories. Then you can say, oh, that's, that's very sweet of you. Thank you for looking out for you. But I think we're going to be good. I, you know, because our, it's our brains are operating over the, you know, is there a saber tooth tiger around the corner that is about to eat me with, you know, uh, I need to pick up the dry cleaning or whatever, whatever other multitude of everyday tasks we have um, in this day and age. Honestly, if 
I wasn't holding this mic. I feel like I would applaud <laughs> that whole thing because <laughs> it was so good. And I've thought, I've thought that I've said this kind of thing before where I was like, I, you know, with the, with fear and anxiety and, you know, we, we've evolved to have this, this alarm system in our bodies. Like you said, we think there's a saber tooth tiger. We feel like there's a saber tooth tiger, mm -hmm. but you're, yeah. I'm just, I'm just calling dominoes. Like there's no, <laughs> like that's all. Yes. I mean, yes. luckily, luckily they have an app now so I can avoid the saber tooth. But like <laughs> the point is, is yeah, that, that engagement with those feelings can change with some space and some, some learning these things. And it's just so valuable. Um, and I feel like there was another thing I was going to say, but that was, there was just so much good stuff in there. And it's like, it's, it's so valuable to learn how to, to see the emotions as like, Hey, we're just, they're just trying to get your attention. Like, I mean, yes. it makes sense if I was skydiving and I'm standing at the edge of the plane, my body, if I was calm, I'd be like, oh, okay, something's yeah. weird. Yeah. Like, cause your body's like, and you just, Hey, or your mind is, you know, all connected. And it's saying, you know, you might not have bones after this. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Like, you so, want to make sure that that's there to tell you, like, do I have a parachute on? Do I, do I right. have knows what the hell they're doing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All so all of that stuff. Yeah. To, yeah. to go down a couple, a little checklist, but to know when it's not as severe and start to recognize it. Because a lot of times, yeah, we'll just, we'll feel it. And then we immediately react. And oftentimes that's against the other people. This is why road rage exists. Like I, you know, I would love to see yeah. the world where, where people actually yelled what they were really feeling in road rage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My mother never loved me as a child. You yeah. know, something, yeah. Something like really like deep down. It's like, it has nothing to do with actually what's happening. Right. On the road. It's right. And it's, it's so, so interesting that, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's to see how many people just kind of go through everything, just barreling forward. Mm -hmm. And like you said, this stuff. Well, it doesn't leave your system without some act action. And now I'm not saying that you could have, you know, actions that you didn't even realize. You don't have to always have a pure, like a intention to say, I'm going to sit down and look, you know, I'm sure, you know, if, if you're angry and you go for a run and you do it because you want to be healthy, it's actually probably relieving some of these. Oh yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that is like there are quite a few numbers that as self-care, like personal self-care specific for that number. Nine is one of them. You know, daily exercise is like very important. Mm. And I think it is to really, and I think a lot of them are, do you have that propensity toward anxiety and just getting it out, you know, like getting it out of the body. Sometimes our body just like needs to move, um, needs to process, you know, somatically, but, you know, I think that there is a big parallel between our, our relationship to feelings and what can happen when we are able to create space and become an observer versus like absorbing them and the same with our number. Um, so you want to, you know, I feel like the worst, like I cringe so much when I hear people talk about the Enneagram, they're like, well, that's my, that's just who I am. I'm a seven. So I'm always going to be late to things. It's like, no, that's not how you can utilize it. You don't want to identify as your number, just like you don't want to identify as your anxiety. Um, I work with clients on that a lot too. And I really caution them for using certain vernacular. You know, I think if you think about 
how we speak and the power of our words. And you think about spelling and spe casting spells. I mean, it's like there is so much power in what we say. And I really try to caution people who want to say, well, my anxiety or my my anger or whatever. And it's like, it's not yours. It's not it's not a part of you. It's just it's it's moving, you know, through you. But when we like so deeply attached to anything in terms of identity, I think you kind of get into a little bit of uh, risky oh, waters. Absolutely. I mean, I've talked about this a couple of times and I think it bears repeating is anything you put after the words I am is very powerful. Yeah. So if you can just leave it at I am period or something that actually has some, you know, just, just be careful. It's just a, it's a dangerous game to play yeah. and identifying with, you know, it's so interesting because I think also along with identifying with your anxiety, there's almost this other side too, that people will, because we have these narratives about anxiety and depression and things like this, that people will just say, well, I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. These people on the road are just jerks or like everybody's just, you know, my day's just always, I just have a bad day. I, like all the time work sucks. And it's like, I'm not anxious. I don't feel, and it's like, okay, like, man, there's these words are important even outside of just identifying yeah. so strictly with them that it's like, just give it all of this stuff. Like we keep saying is giving it air, you know, and, yeah. and not, and like we mentioned, if, if the Enneagram and tools like this are the manual are our owner's manual to being a human person, then like you don't pick up the manual and say, this is my car. No, that's the manual. Like yes. you're not the manual. Like exactly. you're not that thing. Yeah. Like you yeah. still have to get in the car and change the oil and do the things. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I know about cars. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Same. And sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you ask my friend who's a mechanic, he would say I don't know that part either. But uh, yeah. But you're not you're not you're you're not the manual. But it's very like it's beneficial to have that manual and yeah. see what sounds and what feelings uh, sounds for car. Oh, my car's clanking or my body feels tense. Mm -hmm. Why? Yes. You know. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And so. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I try on a lot of different tools, try out a lot of different tools and whether Enneagram resonates with you or another, you know, self-reflection tool or resource, whatever it is, you know, and there's so much available now, which I love, like the light that's now getting, you know, shown, shined on these things. Um, and just getting them more into like mainstream, I think COVID, you know, you know, COVID obviously was like very scary and changed the world in a lot of like, in a lot of ways um, that were not great. But I think that there were, you know, some, some things that were positives that we look hard enough. And I think that with that extra time, right, I think it's so interesting that leading up to COVID, it, at least in our house, it was like, we're so busy all the time. And you're like, gosh, we could just like get a break. If we could just have like one week to do nothing, you know? And so what happens? Like the whole world stops and we're all forced to be home. And we're like, why do we have to stay home? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're just like resisting it and <laughs> trying to push through. Right. Um, so it's, it's very interesting because I think that um, it became obvious how, how much we were consuming in so many ways. And, um, and, and how much we all really resisted 
slowing down. And there's, right. there was this felt sense of unsafety, unsafeness in that. I mean, granted, right, there's like, you know, a pandemic happening. We have right. no idea what any of it means. But, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of people had the opportunity to lean in then um, to that, you know, invitation to stillness and be able to just be. Um, and I think that that was a beautiful thing when you could use that to then like reflect more, you know, what do whatever, because we had we had a lot of time to, to kind of access those things. Yeah, I I mean, I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. And I, I didn't stop working. The place I worked kept going, but um, everything else that I did stopped. You know, every I was a huge concert goer. Like there was not a, you know, metal concert that could come that I wasn't supposed to be at, you know, or other things that I was into. And all of it stopped. And all of a sudden I realized like how much, like I actually wasn't interested in doing that all the time. I just because I so closely identified myself with my taste and my activities and my, you know, social surroundings that it was, it was, uh, kind of gave me all the space to be like, Oh wait, I'm not, if I don't do these things, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden all this other stuff started filling that space. You know what I mean? And not in like, yeah. like, and things that were still and more, um, you know, introspective and whatnot. And then that opened me up a little bit, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. Like, and it's, it's funny because we talked, you, you know, about just how much we're consuming. You said we just consume, you know, and if you just think about it in a, in a physiological way, if I consume without pausing to digest, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. I can't. You can't, you have yeah. to stop and your body has to work it through and you have to digest what you've consumed. And we're, you know, especially with our phones and everything and our work and how important it is to be productive. It's like, we're, I love that you said consume because I've never used that term in this sense, but I, it's so true that we're just yeah. like constantly consuming and never digesting. Yes. Yes. It's like, you know, it's this, it's, you know, we began binge watching, you know, TVs and even the way that we now consume entertainment is, it, you know, we don't watch movies really anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we want like 12 and a half hour movies that are mm -hmm. essentially like these series that we can binge and you can binge podcasts and I mean, so much of it, but I don't know. I think that it's, it's, it's unfortunate because when you're consuming in that manner there, you lose like the sacredness of it or like, you know, if you just gobble down, you know, a pint of strawberries versus like tasting it and noticing the texture and how juicy it is and, you know, and savoring it. And um, I think we can do the same with everything around us. And we like bulldoze through our days as if we're binge watching a TV show where we're not like noticing, you know, the birds chirping and, you know, the beauty of whatever season it is that we're in. And then like life goes by and, you know, I think that is like the beauty of, of living um, is to be able and like slow down and literally smell the roses. And and right. we are just in this fast paced um, consumption, whether it's like scrolling on social media or binge watching a show or I mean, we I mean, I guess we, we have always done it in a capacity, right? Like, you know, read like 
you know, a trilogy, like all in a row, but then you don't read There's no separation. You don't, you don't remember like, well, is that the first book or the second book? And mm -hmm. it all blurs together because you're not able to like really digest it. So, um, I don't know. It's, I, I think there's a big invitation to slow down across the board. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more and I, you know, and it comes from different sources too. Like sometimes, because I, I'm, I don't overly value at least super consciously being productive all the time. I do. I, I do. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, not in a traditional sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also will find that sometimes I will lose awareness and lose my, um, any aspect of mindfulness because I'm feeling, you know, every interaction, like we talked about has potential for conflict. So I'm almost thinking when I'm I just get, once I get through, like, let's say I come to one of your classes, I'm super excited, but there's new people. There's lots of, un, I don't know what's going to happen. So in my head, there's part of me that's like, well, once I get it done, then I did it. And so now yeah. I'm already thinking about the next thing. So whether you're a productive person, who's like, I need, I have a big checklist and I'm already on the next thing as I'm doing this, I'll get this over right, after this, I can squeeze in dinner and then I can do my TV or whatever you're going to do. Even that little bit of fast forwarding you're gone. Like you missed it. Like, yeah. And there's no, there's no getting it back. And, mm -hmm. and oftentimes you're not going to stay present for long periods, but like you said, even little cues, like the weather or the, you know, feel how the air feels or check in with your body or listen to the birds listening. I, and I, oh, yeah. I'm going to listening is so vital because I, I've found if I'm outside, if I actually listen to whatever, whether it's cars or birds, it doesn't always have to be pretty birds. It can be anything. Yeah. I can't really think at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, I can't listen and think at the same time. So I think listening is a, such a good, like kind of cue to, yeah. uh, to, to sink into the moment. But I mean, you, people say this so much and it's such like, you know, you can almost roll your eyes at it and be like, okay, well, be here now. I get it. I have Ram Dass behind me on the wall. And it's like, <laughs> I get it. But learning about ourselves, like we've been talking about this whole time, gives us new access to like catching it, noticing mm -hmm. it, seeing why we do it, and yes. then having a way to like check ourselves. And I think that's so yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I, I refer to that as kind of like the power of the pause, you know? Mm. So where we just are so used to like you know acting and like going so quickly and like it's like boom 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 and we develop these neural pathways that are just like boom 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 right there, and there's no it's like you know you drive to work and you're you don't know how you got there you just got there right like you don't have to pay attention anymore but what the pause does is like offers another option that may especially for things that if we know aren't serving us they're we know they're not in our, our highest good so being able to like pause and I, again, kind of going back to COVID, I feel like COVID allowed us to do that, to take an inventory almost to be like, Hey, why am I doing this thing? Like, you know, we sat back and couldn't go to all these things. And there were things that you were really relieved about. Like, Oh, I, I get to get out of this <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> for the right. next six weeks or whatever it was. And then you're kind of like, why the heck, why am I doing this every week mm -hmm. then if I really don't want to, um, right. you know, to that capacity. And so really being able to pause and say like, what do I love doing? What do, what do I like doing? And what do I, what can I outsource or what can I 
ask for support and help around that somebody mm-hmm. else might be able to do and, and just right. live a life that, you know, is more joyful, you know, insert whatever you want. But kind of, I wanted to go back to one, one quick thing that you said around, um, you know, when you're, when it's hard to stay present because you're potentially anticipating that conflict. And so it sounds like that story for you is like, I can't handle conflict. Like I will break if people around me are in conflict and I need to like make the peace. And I, and if you, if you push back on that, of course, you know, Sean, that that's not true. Mm -hmm. You're not going to break. Right. So even though like you'll feel that, and that can be your propensity, it's like getting some space and pushing back and be like, thanks man, but that's actually not true. Like, I'm going to be fine. This is like, these are spiritual, nice, lovely people coming to learn. Right. Oh yeah. There can't be that much conflict, right? Right. And I I genuinely don't. Yeah. There's no, not a lot of places I go where it's not a nice community of people. And it's so, and, but like you said, just knowing those little recognizing how we feel and how it happens. I had, and just the curiosity we add to it, the awareness of it. I, I had the other day, I was at a friend's house and the, her toddler started to like yank the cord out of the computer and she had to like, with a loud voice say, you know, stop You're she was, it was about to pull down the whole computer. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I think I felt it more than the toddler. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, like I just yeah. felt this tense moment, but luckily because I'm paying attention, I was like, Oh, I see that. Like that was almost yeah. kind of, it was yep. kind of funny. I was like, you're good. You're good. Like, like yeah. that, that, and that was like the most basic example, but it was so funny because that shows how deeply these things can run. Yes. You know, so oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I do think that there, you know, we, we have the uh, tendency to externalize all of our needs, right? And, and, and everybody else has to meet them when really, um, in all reality, you know, we have the ability to meet all of our needs ourselves. And then whatever else we get, right, is like the cherry, the, the huge cherries on top. But being able to, you know, give yourself that reassurance or, you know, give like for me as the examples that I've used, like give myself that like unconditional love that I may be like looking for in others. Um, And so when you're able to then meet yourself at that level, it's oh, my gosh, it's just it's so lovely. (laughs) Right. Like it's it is. And it makes perfect sense. Like you having your own back you having you giving the things like i mean i i realize some similar things and you know these things kind of sink in little by little and like you 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 just kind of point yourself in the direction of these kind of helpful feeling things whether it's enneagram or meditation or whatever it is and i feel like they slowly start to sink in and make sense practically i remember uh after a particularly bad breakup at one point i i used to whenever she would go to work, if I stayed with her and she went to work first and I would make sure her place was like as clean as it possibly could be. So when she came home, she'd be like, oh, cool. I get to just relax. My bed is made. Everything is cool. And I remember after that breakup, I was like uh, all upset and whatnot. And then it clicked that I was like, oh, I could do that for me. I could do that for like future Sean. Like, why would am I doing that? And not to say I shouldn't do it for other people, but, and it, it does make sense. Like it actually like, all those little things that, you know, seem helpful to someone else. And whether that's even dialogue, internal dialogue, just turning that inward is very valuable. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of the, a lot of the times when we're in arguments and we're trying to get our needs across, like if we paid attention to what we said, like you never listened to me. Um, I think a lot of those things can be directed inward. And then you think about, well, how often do I like really listen to myself or like mm-hmm. lean into like what my anxiety is trying to tell me or, um, you know, what I want, what, like, you know, how many times do we wake up in the day and say, what do I want to do today? Like, how do I want to feel today? And then what can I do to like deeper connect with that feeling? Because a lot of the times we, we don't know, we don't, because we don't ask ourselves that question. And so then we go through the day without any intention. And then, you know, we come home exhausted and whatever, um, versus like listening to ourselves. Like, how do I feel today? How's my body feeling? What does my body need today? What do I need today? What do I, and it's, I mean, and we will have the excuse of like, well, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I'm so busy. I mean, it honestly takes like, you know, yeah, two minutes. I love right. timing the things that like, we don't want to do like things like mm-hmm. that, or even like brushing your teeth after like a long day, but really you got, you got 120 <laughs> seconds in this whole 24 hour day. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. There's, there's this, uh, there's this little like cartoon that I've seen online. Uh, that's, that's like a guy talking to a monk and he's like, uh, you know, how long should I meditate? And the monk said five minutes. He's like, I don't have five minutes. He's like, Oh, then an hour. Yeah. Like, you actually, right. you actually need more. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I also, I love what you said about, you know, if, cause I can picture, if I'm walking around the world saying like, nobody cares about what I want, nobody's doing like, everybody's just cares about, no one cares about what I want. And then if I just looked for a second and said, do I like, do I do that? Do mm-hmm. I care what I want? And it's like, oh no, I don't. And you can always tell when it hits because you're like, I don't want to answer that question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you can tell, oh, well, that's a real one. And like, that's, that's yeah. that. So that's yeah. so, so good. Um, let's see, I think we're closing in on the hour. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna, I, yeah, I know, I know this was honestly, I, I, I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes in terms of like practicality and like valuable information. Like I really, I think this one has a lot of meat on the bone. So I, I, I'll be excited. I'll be excited to put this out, but I, I always end with, um, two questions. Um, and the first one has to do with why I started the podcast, which is just sharing things that I think are valuable or interesting. Um, at least that's consciously why there might be some ego and some other stuff that I'm facing unconsciously. But um, a lot of it was, you know, bands I like or people that I think have interesting perspectives. So if you were to just suggest anything, and it could be a practice, it could be a song, it could be a movie, it could be a, anything. Like it doesn't have to be a uh, wellness thing, but it can just a yeah. suggestion for people. I mean, I think I'll go back to, you know, one of our last points that we just talked about, because I think it is such a big shift for people and it's such a uncommon thing. Um, and when I did it, it was a big game changer was, it's just when I wake up in the morning, it's just asking myself, you know, checking in with, in with myself, like, what do you need today? Right? What do you need today? And, um, and then making decisions and plans to give myself that, you know, and then, you know, cause I think a lot of times if you look at, if you look at your day and, and asked in another way, it can be, you know, what are you most looking forward to today? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I started with that and I would realize like, you know, I don't know, like nothing's like really jazzing me up today. 
So then if, if then you kind of think like, well, what do I want? What do I want to feel today? And then do that thing. Right. Yeah. And you know what? And I'll even that's so good. And I'm going to zoom out because it seems like kind of a theme that we've hit a couple of times in your personal practice is questions like these asking yourself these questions. Like I keep picking up on that and it's like, man, that's such a good thing because we we're so quick to, to, to have the dialogue that's connected to the emotions. Like I'm mad and I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this, blah, 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 blah. And we're so quick to those kinds of um, internal dialogue, but not, and the pause comes with the question. Cause when I ask you a question, you have to think, yes. right? So yeah. there's almost a natural pause that comes when you ask yourself the question rather than just blurting out every single like thought that happens in your head. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you like to journal, you can journal the question, you can journal the answer. If you like just to, you know, talk like, you know, uh, like a crazy woman in the park. Mm -hmm. I do that a lot and think like, I wonder who's around here right now because I'm just answering that question. Right. But yeah, whatever works for you. But I think, I think it is, it's, it's a really great tool. So I think that would be like my, my biggest thing is just, it's it yeah. that relationship with yourself too. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's it build and the idea of building a relationship with yourself also puts that separation between you and all of your thoughts and feelings, not disassociating from them, but a different relationships. So I think that just inherently has got so much value, whatever version it is, you know, on your drive to work, just talk or, you know, yeah. journal, like you said, it's so good. So, uh, the last question, um, is the, based on the story of Peter Pan, each, uh, of the, all the lost boys, they're, they're in Neverland and they get some pixie dust and they think of a happy thought and that elevates them, something that lifts them up. Mm. What would your go-to happy thought be? Mm. You are so supported. That's mm. my go-to happy thought. So I, uh, I lost my father last year, uh, to cancer and it really deepened my spirituality and I think opened my eyes to so much of the help that exists that we don't, that we can't see, you know, um, whether it be, you know, angels, guides, helpers. Um, and so I think so often we get caught up in, you know, the people that are around us that may be helping or not helping enough. And I think for me, it's that reminder that, that there's so much more and so much more available. And so sometimes when it's hard for like a helper, right, a, a to kind of, you know, going back to the Enneagram to like help or to ask for help from others, it might be easier for me to just ask for help from like my angels, my guides, whoever, um, when things get too heavy, you know, feel mm -hmm. too heavy to carry on my own. And so um, I just always try to remind myself, like, you're so supported. You might not be able to see it, but trust me, you are so, so, so supported. Well, wow, and that's, uh, that's so good because um, even just in the language that you used, it's not, you are supported if you ask for it. It's just, you are supported, yeah. like you're yeah. supported and not saying you shouldn't ask and, and verbalize your feelings and stuff, but you are supported like yeah. already. Like, oh, I mean, that's yeah. so yeah. good. I mean, yeah. what a, what a, a uh, powerful thing to take from a tragic, you know, experience. So yeah, really good. Yeah. It's, um, it's, 
I just, I think that, the, you know, there are big, big things in life like that, that just change you and you can see how, you know, it can seem like things are happening to you or happening for you. It's, it's a lens, right? It's just like mm -hmm. a shift. And so if I look at how um, that as an example happened for me, I think it's like, wow, like kind of like turned on the color, like in a lot of ways in my life where I wanted again, to like go back like to savor things more and, you know, to be able to not just like zip through life and zip through days, but mm -hmm. really like see like find out what i enjoy and like lean into that and, and make wow. it almost like sacred because it doesn't yeah. last forever right like yeah 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 the impermanence is absolute it's the only absolute and so having infusing life daily with the sacred is such a cool message and like such a i i mean can, can you imagine anything being more sacred really than just actually experiencing the thing you're doing you right. know yes like, yes yeah wow yeah that is awesome i think that's a perfect answer as i appreciate you sharing well, and great question uh, yeah i i really loved this this was awesome and this is coming off of like i came home from work and i usually sometimes i like try to take the day off for the like i'll get like three in a row and i'll take the day off wow. you know i know that's kind of draining as well but you know, being at work for nine hours and then coming home, I'm always like, oh, what did I, what did I get myself into? But this was perfect. Exactly what I needed. So oh, good. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, I feel the same. Like I said, I was, I've been looking forward to this today. Really not know, you know, like, as you mentioned, like we don't really know that much mm. about each other, but I had such a good feeling going into it. I just knew that it would be a good conversation. So. Yeah, it, it really, it, it worked out well. I'm glad, I'm glad we weren't wrong. Yes. <laughs> like like, oh, That's right. Man, that was a swing and a miss. But yeah. So well, I told myself, right, well, I'm like, well, I mean, he doesn't have to publish it. <laughs> you know what? I said that right before this started because I always feel pretty good about him because I pick people that I feel like I told you. But right before it, I was like, that part of my brain was like, went, what if it's the worst? And I was like, you don't have to release it. And then uh, here, I, I'm going to give you one last little bit of my psychology. My anti-conflict person was like, but if you don't release it, she'll get mad at you. I, <laughs> I, 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 we've never spoken, but I'm just like, she'll get mad at you. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's how our brains work. So, and so if we can, funny. we can, the little bit of awareness allows us to kind of laugh at it and exactly. be like, oh, yes. Like, yeah. Laugh it I off see. and be like, mm -hmm. oh, isn't that funny? Right. Right. Exactly. Oh. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. I love it. Thank you so much, right. Sean. No problem. I appreciate yeah. it. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember you are always everything. Bye.